Welcome to Thriller Convo with Car Gonzalez. Broadcasting from Austin, Texas. Via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. Thriller Convo is where we cover the latest and greatest people in the blockchain space. We use the Thriller Podcast platform to move the world forward. Always. Now, here is your host, Car Gonzalez. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Thriller Convo. Today, we are talking with uh, Lynn Albrecht. She is the mother of Ross Albrecht, has a project called freeross.org. Hey, Lynn, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, yeah, good. nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, and for a lot of our listeners out there, can you just let them know um, who Ross is and where everything started and um, just kind of his story? Yeah, um, well, Ross uh, became very involved in libertarian movement in graduate school and worked on the Ron Paul campaign, got very uh, engrossed in Austrian economics and free market ideas and wanted to spread the word of that. And he initially uh, created a video game, which would, was based on Austrian economic principles. So the people playing the game would have the experience of what a free market really was. And he almost got it published, didn't. And so he turned to the internet and created a site, Silk Road, which was essentially um, designed to protect the privacy of its users. So it operated on the Tor browser, which everything's anonymous, and uh, used what was very little known at the time, the cryptocurrency Bitcoin. Very few people knew about Bitcoin then. And, um, but he also saw the potential for Bitcoin for monetary freedom. And so those two things came together. Silk Road happened. And it was pretty much an unregulated open marketplace on the internet, uh, except that because Ross and, and the others involved in it were strong adherents to voluntary philosophy so that they believe that uh, nothing should be, it, no, there should be nothing on the site that wasn't voluntarily exchanged. So for example, or used force or anything like that. So for example, child pornography was not allowed. Um, stolen property was not allowed. Things that victimized others. Um, weapons in general were not allowed. Um, even things like brass knuckles and stuff, they weren't allowed. Um, it was a, it's all about uh, voluntary interaction, peaceful interaction, but the drugs were allowed. So mostly what was sold there in the drug category was uh, small user amounts of marijuana, by far the most uh, sold product on the site. Um, but um, in any case, uh, for this, for creating this platform, not for actually selling drugs, uh, Ross was given a double life sentence plus 40 years without parole. So this is a pretty shocking uh, sentence for somebody who has never had any um, allegations of violence or harm against them personally. No victim came forward at trial. Um, and um, he has oh, I mean, gone and on, but on freeross.org, there's 100 letters from people who know him saying what a fine person he is. And um, and he's always been a very peaceful, compassionate person. And so to have him 
get this kind of sentence and because of the sentence be put in a maximum security prison with violent gangs, violent people is um, unbelievable. And I, ha- I can't rest until I get him out of there. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I when I saw the movie, The Deep Web, I immediately thought that uh, it is just it's just unbelievable the amount of um, amount of control the government has um, just on people and how they could because uh, it, it looks to me that I mean, I, and, you know, I'm a podcaster. You, I, I speak my mind freely on, on the on the on the Internet and um just like rusted. And, and so it's kind of one of those things that scares me because, you know, what are they, what are they trying to protect? I I just don't understand why we can't live in a free society where, you know, we can say what we want, we can do what we want. And if, as long as we're not hurting anybody, just leave us alone, you know, and it's kind of scary that. Well, that's the philosophy. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. It is scary, but of course you can't have power over people that way. And, um, you know, I, I believe they're using the drug war as a way to gain that power or grow it, really, and um, and other things. And they're incarcerating people at a horribly rapid rate with very, very long sentences. Um, things. There's a guy in there who's a friend of Ross in there, an inmate, who um, got a life sentence for selling marijuana <laughs> 13 years ago. He's already done 13 years. He's got life. Um, and there's others uh, that I, you know, he tells me about uh, that I've talked to their families and, you know, they can't even keep drugs out of the prison, but they're going to have these draconian laws that they think are going to stop drug use when it hasn't stopped it in 45 years and over a trillion dollars. So it's, it's, you know, but what they're doing to people and to families is really evil and destroying people and uh, making a ton of money in the process ton of money and also gaining more power and shredding the constitution. Yeah. And one thing that I kind of, from what I got from the, um, from the movie was, and just from hearing about Ross, it was that uh, I feel like he was just born in the wrong century. Like it's just one of those things where I feel like if he was born like, you know, 2136, this wouldn't be an offense like this. They wouldn't have taken taken his whole life away from him, and I feel like a lot of these rules that are put in place right now are just—it's ridiculous. Like you said, it, it doesn't make any sense why he has to pay such a harsh penalty for um, creating a website, and and it, it's just ridiculous. Well, yeah. Well, she, the judge could have given him twenty years. That that's long. <laughs> that's but that was the mandatory minimum. But she chose to give him double life plus forty years. Uh, which is evil. I'm sorry. The woman gave an unbelievable sentence. Um, and I don't think it was about drugs at all because the biggest drug seller on Silk Road got 10 years. The biggest cocaine and heroin seller got five. You know, it, it, it's not about drugs. I believe that it's, it was really about Bitcoin and um, and privacy. And Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer from New York, was on the a ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee. And he's the one that called for the takedown, went on the courthouse steps and was, you know, did a whole press conference about the Silk Road. The lead prosecutor, Preet Bharara, was his special counsel for about five years. The judge was, and he was recommended to his job as um, head head prosecutor in New York. And um, the judge herself was recommended by Schumer for her position on the bench. I mean, it was just very political. 
I think that not only did Ross see the potential for monetary freedom with Silk uh, with uh, Bitcoin, but so did so did the po financial powers, and I don't think they liked it. And um, I think that is really what what you know why they went after him and came down on him so hard. And the judge even said at sentencing that she said, "Well, we we know that it's uh, you have this." Um, dangerous philosophy, basically, that you establish the site based on a philosophy. And I just don't know if you've given that up. So she would, she used his libertarian ideals of, of voluntary interaction of, uh, you know, an open market to enhance this sentence and, and justify it, you know, and uh, that's really a violation of the First Amendment. We're supposed to be safe in, like you say, you've got a podcast. You want to know that you're safe in saying whatever you want to say. That's how it's supposed to be in America. And um, she's basically saying, no, um, there's posts on there, not that he wrote them, just that they're on the Silk Road website that say that the government's the oppressor. We're allowed to say that. We're allowed to say the government's the oppressor. We shouldn't be thrown in a cage for the rest of our life because we say the government's the oppressor while they're acting like an oppressor. So... Um, uh, there's a lot of important issues here. It's it's not just about drugs and and of course the media presents Ross as this drug kingpin and thug, which is so totally not who he is. Uh, they smeared him with uncharged crimes. They did all this stuff. Didn't charge him with it at trial, but and um, the movie Deep Web, which is really good, um, only goes up to the trial. After the trial, they found out there were corrupt agents all over the site. They found out that there was an, a third, that was two that are in prison, a third who deleted evidence and tampered with it, that another Dread Pirate Roberts logged into the Silk Road Forum after Ross was already in, was in solitary confinement. Who was that? You know, and there's all this stuff that is unanswered and sealed and undisclosed that makes me very suspicious that there's a whole lot more to this story. And they needed a trophy. They needed their, you know, head on the spike and they wanted, you know, somebody to blame it all on. And Ross was unfortunately that person because um, he did admit to creating it, the, the, the platform. He also said he got out. So in any case, uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot to it. And we are now at the Supreme Court um, and we're hoping for some kind of relief from the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is uh, addressing big issues. They don't address violations in trial and that sort of thing. They address issues that are broad reaching that will affect everybody. And uh, one of the issues is um, that the government, without a warrant, seized uh, Ross's internet browsing activity. And they're saying they can do this to any of us without a warrant and go snooping around into our internet uh, habits. And when you think about that, it's not only, oh, I have nothing to hide. I, I just look at really good sites, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's also very easy for them to blackmail um, judges, um, Congress people, uh, whoever, if maybe they're, they, you know, they're doing things that they wouldn't want the public to know. Or uh, they can persecute people based on their religious beliefs or their political beliefs. They can see what those are. And this is all without a warrant, with no oversight. So one of the questions in Ross's Supreme Court um, petition is that this is wrong. 
I mean, they can still do it, but they can't. It's not right for them to do it without a warrant and probable cause, meaning a good reason, because otherwise it's in secret. And the other um, question is a judge uh, enhancing an unreasonable sentence based on uncharged crimes because Ross was the government alleged that he was involved in planning a murder. Never. No murders occurred and they didn't ever charge him with it at trial. It never, it wasn't charged. The jury didn't rule on it and Ross denies it. And yet um, the judge used it to say, well, I really have, you know, it's really okay for me to give him this life sentence because he arranged murders for hire, which was never proven. And uh, that's kind of scary too, because we're supposed to have jury trials. It's not supposed to, you know, the reason the Sixth Amendment, which guarantees us a jury trial was even written, was to protect the accused from judges who are corrupt, who uh, don't, uh, for all kinds of things, you know, just think they're right and, and for some reason uh, have a grudge. Who knows? You know, I'm not saying any of that about her specifically. I'm just saying that's why they wrote the Sixth Amendment. So that's a very important question as well. What looks like it's going to happen is that the Supreme Court is waiting to rule on a case called Carpenter versus U.S., which is a similar Fourth Amendment case to Ross's Fourth Amendment about the Internet traffic, which is about a guy who they tracked him using his cell phone without a warrant, which means they can track any of us without a warrant We're using our cell phones, without a warrant, without a probable cause, without having to say they're doing it. They just can do it or they are doing it. And um, if this is ruled unfavorably, Ross's case is kind of being grouped with it. And then um, if it's favorable, we really hope it is, then he would be what's called remanded or sent back to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals and have them rule based on the Supreme Court's decision. So that's what we're waiting for right now. And and if that were to happen, Lynn, does that does that mean that he could he could get another trial or, do, or get an actual trial? Or does that mean that they would just listen to his appeal or how does that work? They could. They could say, well, this this evidence was obtained. It should have had a warrant, <clears throat> didn't have a warrant. Everything based on this seizure uh, is cannot be admit is inadmissible at trial. And, ne- and it needs to you need to have another trial. I mean, they could. Uh, they could definitely do that which would be great because the first trial was <laughs> pretty unfair. I mean, one of the things in the first trial was his defense attorney was not allowed to bring up two corrupt agents who were stealing from the site. They're now in prison. And they and that was sort of a note at the end of the movie because it had already all happened in film. But um, yeah, two corrupt agents. And they also had all the ability to do anything on the site. They could act as DPR. They could act as all kinds of people. They could change evidence. They could change chats. They could plant stuff. I mean, they had the keys to the kingdom. They could do whatever they wanted. And the jury wasn't allowed to know about their existence. Just that just one thing happened at trial. I mean, it was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. And, and when, 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 I, uh, when I saw that that came out afterwards, where these, the, the same agents that were involved with, uh, you know, trying to trap Ross, um, I, I, I felt like, you know, once that came out, it was like, you got to throw the whole case out. Like there's no, there's no way you can go on any shred of evidence that they're presenting as actual evidence because their word has gone to, you know, it's just gone at that point. Like, 
Well, they had the ability to change it. <laughs> but the appellate court in New York um, didn't think that was uh, very important, apparently, because that was one of the main points in the appeal. And they said, well, how does that prove anything? I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, and that, that's one. That's one thing about. Uh, that's one thing about the courts. And uh, see, like my mom, she's she actually works for a district attorney's office here in um, in South Texas. And um, some of the stuff that I, I don't want to like, you know, out her or anything like that. But some of the stuff that she tells me, just in passing about you know DA or like the district attorney or like you know, judges and stuff like that. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind closed doors that the public is just not privy to. And some of the backdoor dealings that happen are exactly what you said. Sometimes it's just out of spite because the one prosecutor hates the other prosecutor, or sometimes it's out of, you know, we're going to pin this guy because of this and that. And those are actual truths that you're speaking just because I've, I, my mom tells me these things and she's just, you know, she just works in the office and she hears things just like everybody else. So it's kind of one of those things to think that, you know, that they don't hold grudges or or they don't hold, you know, their, uh, you know, spitefulness to other people that they're 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 supposed to be judging on in, in a you know in a very you know fair manner. I think is just ridiculous, and I, I feel like that's the biggest problem with our with our whole with our whole system right now. It just it's just terrible, and it's terrible that I feel really bad for Ross because I feel like if he was just born, you know, maybe a century later. And this was a different time. I feel like he would have been just fine. Like basically they would have said, you know what, here's 30 days, <laughs> you know, go do some, you know, some thinking, go think about what you did and, you know, try to make the world better because of you know what you learned, you know, something like that. Like, I feel like the, all this stuff that he really didn't do anything. And the, the fact that they're presenting all this evidence towards him is just ridiculous. Like the, the guy just made a website. Yes, it was a little out there, and yes, it was very forward-thinking, but at the same time, it's just a website. Like, he never actually did anything, you know? Like, no no one sues no one sues the guy who's selling drugs at, at his supermarket, you know, around the corner. Like, they don't sue the guy whose supermarket that is just because the guy in the corner selling drugs, you know what I mean? It's like, it, he, just happens, he just happens to be a supermarket that sells, you know— Food, gas, whatever, but they're not taking that kind of court just because there's drug dealers around. You know what I'm saying? So, no, that's one of the argument. That was one of the arguments that the lawyer made. He said it's like uh, holding, you know, a landlord responsible for what goes on in a house he owns, or um, you know, look, even Amazon and Craigslist and eBay, and there's all kinds of drugs and everything else going on, and um, are they responsible too? Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, there, there, there's, is he going to be hauled into court? There's live murders on Facebook Live. Is he responsible? I mean, it, it's a slippery slope. And, um, you know, they're saying, yes, they are. But meanwhile, you know, those guys are not being hauled into court. Um so it's it's not just about Ross. It's about these principles. And, um, you know, are, do we want the government all over our um, Internet without a warrant? You know, and and or should they have to at least be out in the open about it and go through some kind of procedure? Uh, and that's, you know, still, you know, you wonder about it. But, um, yeah, no, I, you're right. And even if, you know, there's other countries now, granted, some are worse. But, um, 
you know, in the Philippines, they're killing pe- uh, drug dealers or anybody involved with it. But at the same time, Europe, for example, it's unheard of to give life sentences the way we do. White life sentences have quintupled since the drug war. A lot of them are for drug abuse and, and uh, offenses, and they can't even keep drugs out of the prison. There's drugs in the prison. They can't even stop that. How do they expect that this drug war can possibly work at all, out, you know, in general? And, of course, I don't think they really care. I actually don't. I don't think that's why they have it. I think they finance a lot of things. I think they make a ton of money. It's a huge jobs program for, oh, my gosh, I mean, all the prisons and the police force and the guard, prison guard unions. I mean, the prison guard unions are one of the biggest lobbyists against marijuana legalization because, God, if you legalize marijuana, well, that's going to cut down on the inventory in our, you know, in our little business here. Got to have human beings in there. And, you know, over 60 percent of people in prison are nonviolent drug offenders. So prisons have actually gotten less dangerous or less horrible in some ways, although they're still violent, especially at the level Ross has been put in. But um, because it's full of peaceful drug dealers and drug users and people in just possession. I mean, I met a guy. Well, I met his daughter, but I saw him. I mean, he Ross knows him. He's in there because of the three strikes law with possession. Life. Life sentence. You know, that three strikes law really is awful. It really needs to uh, go away. That's a really bad one. There's just so many. There's just so many things about the justice system, and it's just how it's it's set up to actually favor you know the rich, and it's it's set up to favor people in power. And it's it's interesting enough. I, I didn't want to bring this up, but I, I kind of feel like I have to. But you know, you have somebody like Hillary Clinton, for example, who had all her emails leaked, and there's all kind of stuff that was you know inside of those emails. Yeah, I didn't read. I didn't read any of it, but everything that was reported, you know, through, you know, the Washington Post or through the media, it sounded really bad. Right. So I don't understand why she's not, you know, getting in trouble for some of those things or anybody in her party is not getting in trouble for some of those things. Is it because she got hacked and that's the only reason? And if that's so, Ross got hacked by the those agents that, you know, you know, took apart that server and tried to, you know, get an image off it and then try to who knows what they did after that. That's why I'm saying it, it it almost feels like the justice system is set up for the people in power and it's it's it, it shouldn't be that way. Yes, I agree with that. I think if you have enough power, um you yeah, you can usually often, you know, skirt that and um yeah. It's uh definitely true, I think. So and if you have powerful people after you, like Chuck Schumer, um, you know, and all the forces that he can um, command, it's pretty big, daunting uh, situation. Yeah. And uh, but um, to give. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, how how is Ross taking it? I know you said in the movie that he's taking it OK, um, but how is he taking it now? Looking. Is he still hopeful? Is there still you know life in him that's, you know, believes that what he did was right, standing up to them, or what is he, what is his mindset? Well, I can tell you he would not do that again. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Um, But uh, he, and and that, you know, he would not break the law again. I mean, he's, he's been in there now for almost five years, and I don't think he would ever do that, Um, uh, take that risk or, do that, you know, that'd be, that'd be crazy. 
but um, and he's not. He's a fast learner. But um, he still has a great attitude. He's intentionally optimistic and positive. Uh, he's very encouraged that the Supreme Court did not reject our petition, which was a bit, I was really worried. I was very, very worried that they might. And then we would really have run out of options. Um, so he is very happy about that because we have a chance still. We're still in the game. Um, and uh, Ross is just a naturally sunny kind of happy guy and easygoing and you know he's very well liked and um by the guards by the staff by the other inmates i mean he he's just that kind of person he's very um easygoing very likable so he remains that way now i have moved to colorado to make sure that he gets visits every weekend possible which is with most of them uh because i believe it's important for him to have a lifeline to normalcy and uh, not have that be his whole world. And he told me, he said, if it weren't for that, he doesn't think he'd be in the same shape emotionally and mentally as he is. You know, it's, he's had the strong support of me and the rest of the family, friends. People love Ross who've known him, you know, and um, so he has that. And that, I think, has really helped. Uh, but it's tough. It's very, very hard. And um <sighs> I'm amazed how, how he's kept it so positive. And sometimes when I get negative and about some of the people or, you know, whatever, he's like, no, don't, it, don't go there. It's, it's okay. You know, we're going to get out of this. And he has no, um, he has no uh, bitterness against anybody. And I think it's partly because he knows you can't, if you start going down that road, it will eat you alive, especially in that situation. And he just doesn't believe in it. He just he sees he, he just feels like he has to stay strong. And it does sap you to be bitter and regret and all this kind of thing. So he focuses on the positive. He works hard on his case. He's in the law library when he can. Um, you know, he goes outside. He meditates. He works out. He loves being be able to go outside and look at the mountains in Colorado and stuff. And he just tries to, you know, uh, make the best of a really, really, really hard situation because it's day after day after day after day. It's just the same old thing. And, you know, it's it's it. And then, then you're at the, you know, mercy of the authorities in there. Some of them are nice. Some of them not so nice. You know, some of them are, you know, so it just the whole system, though, is very degrading and um, it's really tough. It's really hard. So, oh, I'm, it's 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 good to hear that he has his spirits up, and you know that, that I honestly, I honestly, to me, when I saw that movie, I, my heart, you know, just felt for all of y'all, like the whole family for him, and I, I, you know, there's so many people that you know, because I, I, I'm in the tech space here in Austin, and there's so many people that I know that have these same kind of ideals, and um, you know, want want this this change in the justice system, want this change in our government, want this change in the world. And a lot, a lot of these ideals are, are, are very, it's just being hopeful, you know, and it's good to hear that he's, he has t- taken the high road on all this. And it, it, it I, I honestly wouldn't have expected, expected anything less, honestly, because I feel like he's, he's a good guy, man. Like you can tell just how the way he talks, the way he carries himself and the way he's, he's, he's just kind of spoken, I think there was like this one interview that he's doing with his friend and you can, you can see the, you can see the the passion and the, and the, the love he has for life and, 
and and for people, you know, and that was one thing that I really kind of really uh, took from it was that you can tell he's just a really good, really good dude. I mean, um, is is there is there like a story that that you could tell when he was younger that you thought like, wow, this kid is impressive kind of thing? Do you have one of those stories? Because I feel like we never hear her. <laughs> is he's just impressive? Like is like is there one of those stories you ever had? Like when he was little that you that you saw in him, you're like, wow kind of one of those no i never expected him to do this by the way that was really what you just said was very um well put about him it's really true um you know he's uh, you know as, as he was grew older he was always very idealistic um but he's always just been a really mellow easygoing kid i mean even as a baby <laughs> you know he was just always um we called him buddha baby because he was just so uh, easy. I'd cart him around with me and he would just go with the flow and he's still like that. Um, but at the same time, he can be very passionate about ideas and ideals and um, very, um, I don't know, he's a big heart for the people in there. He really, uh, I think he actually is working, I believe, on an essay about the prison and uh, how really Nobody deserves what we're doing to people in those prisons. And he's very, you know, well-spoken about it. He really feels for them. And so do I. I mean, you get to know the families and the kids. You see them last weekend. This little little girl was just sobbing when she had to be torn away from her dad. And this is hurting her. This is hurting their family. And, uh, you know, the guy's sitting there with the rest of us. I don't think he's a, you know, vicious killer or anything. And it's just... I don't know. It's it's just there's got there's a better there could be a better way than what we're doing. And it's hurting so many people. So, yeah. But, yeah, no, I can't think of a specific thing. Um, I, one time, well, you know, he was, a, he was a Boy Scout and he loved to go camping and loves nature. He loves nature. And he and his friends went to Big Bend, which you probably know because you're in Texas and went off trail. Because, you know, we can't go on the trail. That's too boring, you know, off on the trail. So that's kind of a metaphor right there. And they got lost. And they were running out of water. It was, it can be very dangerous at Big Bend. When it's, and he used his skills to figure out where there was a spring. In the, really? In oh, the, wow. In fact, he writes about it. And, and they got some water and they were able to get this water and got enough that they could keep going and got out of there. But, you know, of course, thankful I didn't know about it at the time. But um, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> you know, go off blazing a trail, but he managed to, um, you know, rescue them and him. So hopefully that'll happen this time too. <laughs> I'm not giving up hope at all. And um, I think, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that as a metaphor, but really it kind of is for what he's doing now. And in a way, you know, Look, I'm not saying I'm not defending Silk Road. I'm not going to defend some of the stuff on Silk Road or drugs or anything like that. But the intention was always good. It was his intention was good. And um, it and it still would be when he gets out. And, uh, you know, we all make mistakes. We all we all maybe didn't good, make good choices as far as, you know, where things can lead and get out of hand and all of that. But to take someone's life. For that, when they're when they were twenty six years old, that's outrageous. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just it's just wrong. It's just evil. So 
Yeah, and, and you're you're exactly right. Um, that story is amazing, by the way. Um, yeah, that's what I was like. I because I, I knew like when you when I was just listening to him talk in the movie and everything, and it, I could just tell. I was like, man, I bet you, I bet you, he had such a like a I bet you he had just a, a great upbringing, and he probably you know was this really bright kid and just you know like you said like he had all these ideas with them and yeah so that's just an amazing story but yeah you're exactly right i feel like like when you were talking about the other inmates there and i just don't i don't understand why people can't forgive and 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 have a little more compassion and empathy towards others you know um yes you know maybe what silk rope became was you know got out of control um but yeah you're exactly right it shouldn't take somebody's entire life or something like that it's uh even even if even if they deducted it, you know, you know, to a more reasonable sentence or even if they like I just I just can't get over the fact that it's just a website like that to me. Like yeah. I create I created a podcast like and, and say one of my listeners goes and like does something crazy like that's not my responsibility. But at the same time, it's it's just it's just ridiculous. Like I don't understand the world that we're in. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I think it's a battle between people who want freedom and people who want to control you. That's how I sort of see it. I see, you know, these governments and it's not just our government. I mean, these governments worldwide are, as Doug Casey said, getting worse. And uh, with all of the technology they have and the ability ability to spy on us uh, and control us and under the guise of safety and um all that, that uh, people are willing to, okay, uh, give up that freedom. And there are people uh, worldwide who write us all the time about, you know, how they're inspired and they really care about freedom. But I fear that we're in a very big, you know, very small, I should say, minority, hopefully not. And, but I think that we're really at a very important tipping point in history because of technology and that the potential for government power and abuse is greater than ever. And if we don't wake up and see what's going on, we're going to lose our freedom and it could happen very quickly. Um, so I think it's, it's an exciting time with uh, all the technology, but it's also the potential for that is great. Yeah. One thing, the one thing that I'm hopeful for that we talk about this on this podcast all the time is uh, blockchain technology. And I feel like what that could, that what that could do for governments uh, would, uh, would keep them in check um, first off. And and I I feel like, I feel like if Ross was out right now, um, you know, living his life, I feel like he would very well see that potential as well too. Um, Oh yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, I mean, he got sent articles and he, he's not he's cut off, but he's not totally cut off. Of course, he's he that's what excited him about it. You know, is, is the freedom of monetary freedom that it presented. You know, yeah, absolutely. But not just monetary. Right. Yeah. Not just monetary, but like some, you know, other, you know, open protocols and open systems, stuff like that, like, that keeps all these checks and balances so that our government just can't do on its own. It's just not capable of it. Right. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like if he was out here now, he'd be working on something brilliant like that. Like there would be there would there would be a great idea behind it. And gosh, I, I just feel like 
And I feel like there was like a, a way you could go back in time <laughs> to like, you know, I feel like I feel like where he was headed towards Silk Road was was a great idea. But I feel like, man, oh, man, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It can be frustrating, but I'm very hopeful. I am very hopeful for him. I, I, re- I sincerely mean that uh, just by your tenacity, just by the way you're out there speaking. And, you know, you you really can you know, to, can, you know, touch a crowd just by how you're, how you're talking about everything. And, and, and I, I, I feel personally that I feel like, I feel like Ross will eventually, you know, get his day in court. And, and I think it's going to favor him. I, I really do. I don't see him being in, in, in prison for the rest of his life. I just don't. It's just ridiculous. It just makes no it's sense. Unthinkable. And I, yeah, it's really and, unthinkable. And, and I think, so there's going to be somebody that's going to see this and they're going to be like, you know what? Yeah, we need to get him out. You know, the the, the amount of time that he's already done and uh, is just that that's I mean that's more than enough. I think personally, but I'm probably yeah. But uh, thank you so much, Lynn, for coming on this podcast. I really, really, really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Um, where can everybody find you? We'll put all the links in the show notes. But where can everybody find you? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a good talk. Um, yeah, um, freeross.org is our hub. It's got lots of information, more information than we were able to cover today, and um, ways to get right to Ross, ways to um, contact me, uh, just lots of things, ways to help out. Uh, so, yeah, please go to freeross.org and check it out. It's a work in progress. We're, it's in process, but it's, it's complete, but it'll, it'll, there'll be more and more as time goes on. But, um, yeah, so that, that's where to go. And uh, appreciate the opportunity to, you know, get the word out. This This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Carr Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Carr said likely will come true. It is up to you. Now go do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto and not car. And remember, buy a Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time. <laughs> <laughs>